Welcome to the How to Survive a Horror Movie Podcast, where we learn how to survive horror movies and maybe how to survive the afterlife. Ha! I'm your host, Ryan Stacy, and today we are talking about the fourth and currently final Ghostbusters movie, Ghostbusters Afterlife from 2021. Don't we get a phone call? Sure you do. Who are you going to call? And I'm joined by our Ghostbusters correspondent, Derek Kubitschek. Derek, how are you doing? A lot better today. A lot, a lot, a lot better today, I must say. Yeah, so Ghostbusters Afterlife, first time you'd ever seen it. First time. I knew nothing about it. Thoughts? I actually strongly enjoyed this movie. This is certainly a soft requel. Yeah. I, I'm going I'm to quote Five Cream here for just a second. <laughs> this is a soft requel, but I do think it works really well because it's a different kind of movie. Uh, Ryan, I went back and I immediately read your review on this movie. Which and I wrote right after it came which, out. Which you wrote, yeah, in 2021. So... The the original movie is about a bunch of schlubby guys who open up a business. And every movie since then has been kind of different. The second one, we're not going to talk about that one, I guess. But uh, the third one, certainly different, more of an action movie. Uh, and this one is more of a... Uh, coming it, of age movie. It, it's coming of age, but it's also a little bit of a, a piece it back together. It's a puzzle movie. Yep. What I like about it is that the movie doesn't pretend like we don't know the answer. So we know the answer. We're trying to watch these otherwise completely unqualified characters back their way into the right answer using the pieces of a thought-to-be madman, someone who's too smart for the average bear, back together. They're trying to piece it all together so they can save the world. I love movies like this, and I love that this movie didn't treat us like we didn't already know. Sure. You know, we don't need to see Peter Parker get bitten by the spider again. That said, you need to bring Gozer back and all of that Which stuff, you don't. Which, which, you, which you don't, uh, but if production is making you do it, if the investors are making you bring back Gozer because 2016 didn't do so well, this is the way you need to do it. Everyone knows the answer. It's a ritual, so there are certain beats, things that are going to happen that happen. That That's why it's a ritual, but we're going to do it in a different way with some different characters, who, for the most part, I really, really liked. Yeah, you know, it's got a completely different tone. It's a completely different genre while still doing kind of the Ghostbusters story, the the mythos of the first Ghostbusters movie. We're redoing that, just completely different context around it. That's fine and dandy. That's not why I like the first Ghostbusters. I, I love the first Ghostbusters because it's so cynical, and it is just a bunch of schlubs doing starting up a business and the ghost busting stuff's like secondary like i don't care about gozers i just care about watching these jackoffs try and get this business off the ground and so this movie is much more focused on the deep mythos and lore of zool and ghostbuster stuff that are uh, zool and gozer and i don't really care about that that said i like this movie more this time around i think it is a good movie there's just so much fan service and so many references to the original that i just don't need just quit reminding me of the better movie. You know, what's weird is you like The Force Awakens, and that movie is just as guilty of all of the fan service that this movie is. And I, I actually think Force Awakens is way more of a soft beat-for-beat beat reboot than this movie, mm -hmm. and you like that one. So it, it's a little inconsistent for me that the, that the fan service in this one... The fan service is much worse than Afterlife. No, and no. as far as Star Wars is concerned... The real offender of the fan service overload is Rogue One. 
That is the stuff I don't like in Rogue One. I think Rogue One is a very good movie, but Rogue One is much more guilty of just references. There's a difference between doing the same story over again, which is kind of what we're doing, uh, as opposed to unnecessary fan service. Remember the Crunch Bar? The- Remember the Twinkie? Remember AT-ATs and Star Wars? Do you remember those things? I remember member berries. I don't need any member berries. I don't need any. I don't want... If we never reference anything ever again, Family Guy, I'll be so happy. I will be so happy if there's no more references. You know what? I, I don't hate it. I do think, to go back a little bit, when you say that you didn't really care for building on the mythos of Ghostbusters all that much, would it have been different had you been born in 1974... Ghostbusters comes out in 1984, you watch it, and then you don't get a true blue sequel to that that's worth anything until 2021. And I'm not saying that that, you know, that makes this movie better. It's just it might mean more to other people. This meant something to me because I saw the first Ghostbusters in like the late 90s, the early yeah. 2000s. So it meant something more to me to see a movie that actually was worthy to be a sequel of a really good first movie. You know, it, there's with this new Indiana Jones movie coming out, that might mean something if they play on the nostalgia. All that might mean something to me because Indiana Jones is different from Ghostbusters. I, I just think Ghostbusters is too cynical of a movie for me to feel anything other than cynicism and trying to make me feel nostalgic, nostalgic for something doesn't work with Ghostbusters. It's specifically a Ghostbusters well, and And specifically with you. I yeah. mean, there's someone who is a regular guest in this podcast mm-hmm. where Ghostbusters is their, their favorite, favorite movie. movie. So you know who you are, Jordan Ryan. Y- you know who you are. Uh, so... The magic is out there for some people. And, you know, that said, when you make a movie like that, you need to be aware that some people it's not going to play off of. Yep. But you're not the target market. I I, I was not the target market for this movie. I don't know. I honestly don't know if they can do a Ghostbuster sequel where I am the target market. I really don't know if it's possible. It'd have to be something really wacky and off the wall. And clearly one with absolutely zero references to the Ecto-1. You know, if they made like just a straight up horror movie sequel and just tried that, I'd be like, okay, I will watch this movie. And maybe I'll like it. Honestly, if we did that, we brought back the characters in this movie, except for one that we'll talk about later. I'd be in for it. Yeah. So I, I hear they're doing a sequel. I really hope there's less references and they just focus on doing their own thing. I would love that. I'd be down with that. And like I said, I still like this movie. I thought it was good. It's just that stuff. And like generally the third act, I didn't really care for. I like the first two acts because it's so different. And then once we start retreading the stuff in the first movie, I'm like, okay, I don't care anymore. Sure. And, and, I, and I did enjoy all of those parts. But... That's not why we're here, folks. That's not why we're here. We're here to talk about the rules on how to survive a horror movie. And Ghostbusters Afterlife is a horror movie. Absolutely. Probably the most of any of the four of them. Agreed. I don't even think it's that close. No. So the point of this podcast is we're trying to create a master list of rules to survive any and all horror movies. So we're going to be going through the plot of this movie beat by beat, decision by decision, to see if we need to add any new rules to our current list of, Derek, you don't know this, there's 62 rules now. We added a rule. Uh, What's rule 62? Fill me in. uh, Rule 62 is the, the Todd Stacy rule. Be a nice person. Just be just be kind. Be a kind person. Be a nice person. Doesn't cost anything to be nice. And if you're a nice person, people are more likely to go on a rescue mission to save you if you get captured by a spooky sewer clown. That makes enough sense. It feels like an inverse of rule four of don't be a menace, yep. but but it is different to be kind than it is to just not be mean. Yep. Actually be nice, people want to save you. So we're going to see if we get rule 63 here today from Ghostbusters Afterlife. Uh, you can check out the current list of rules on our Twitter account, at HowToHorror. Um, but spoiler alert for Ghostbusters Afterlife. Check it out. You might like it. Yes. I, I give this one uh, a certified recommendation. All right. So spoiler alert. Derek, you ready to jump into the plot of this movie? Let's do it. All right. Let's get into the plot of Ghostbusters Afterlife. We open with 
what turns out to be Egon Spengler himself, um, who was originally played by Harold Ramis, passed away before the, the third movie. So he, he'd been dead for a while. So that was part of the problem why they couldn't really do a new, another Ghostbusters with the original cast. Harold Ramis is dead. But we have Egon Spengler here, and we really... He's, he's hidden in shadow for this opening sequence. I don't even know who plays him, but it's fine. <laughs> yeah, regardless, what I didn't know, because I didn't know this movie was about this, did they have his permission or the family's blessing to... Because, I mean, later on, we're going to yep. actually see a pretty explicit CGI generation of Harold Ramis. Yep. So, so it, it, I don't know the answer to this question, but it, you know, the, the ethicality, because I know that Carrie Fisher gave her blessing for all things Star mm-hmm. Wars before she passed. I just didn't know if that it was something that had been done. Yeah, I don't know if they got his permission. I don't know if the family gave permission. I really don't know anything about that. Let's see. Okay, I'm reading right here on the Wikipedia page that his daughter gave permission, so... It's something. All actors, put that in your, like, wills and stuff. I would not allow my image to be used. Tough shit, I'm dead, you can't do anything. I would say if it's something that really meant a lot to me, go ahead, I guess, but I, I would maybe want to know that someone I believe to be a capable writer to be in charge of it. Like, For the record, I'm going to go ahead and put this in right now. I don't want any CGI replicas of my voice doing this podcast. <laughs> so noted on the record. Uh, no, no, none of it. None of it. I, I'm very much against these CGI hologram stuff. I don't like this newfangled technology. <laughs> But regardless, we have Egon. He's out doing some ghost busting. Yep. So we are in the town of, what was it, Somervale? Yeah, Somerville, Oklahoma. Somerville, Oklahoma. Oh, Oklahoma. And it turns out, well, we'll just kind of give, like I said, spoiler alert, we'll kind of give away what happened. So after the events of Ghostbusters 2, we're gonna, this is going to be revealed later in the movie, the ghost hunting business kind of dried up. All the ghosts disappeared. And so the Ghostbusters disbanded. They all kind of moved on into different careers. Ray keeps running his occult shop. Winston got into finance. And Venkman started working as an advertising professor, which is hilarious. Yes. That is perfect. Very appropriate. But Egon didn't let go of this. And he started talking about, like, the like basically the end of the world was coming. And one day he ended up stealing all the Ghostbusters equipment and vanishing. No one knew where he went. Turns out he went to Oklahoma, this town in Oklahoma, and has been here ever since. He contacted Ray once to try and tell him, like, hey, end of the world is coming. It's going to be here in Oklahoma. And Ray kind of blew him off because he was pissed at Egon. So Egon has been on his own. And he's trying to prevent the return of Gozer, which is what's going on here. And I don't know if this is a good time to talk about this because chronologically speaking, this all happened before the opening scene. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to say a little bit of Rule 9 here. Be careful what you say and how you say it. Yep. They have stopped the end of the world before. So the fact that he couldn't effectively communicate with the other Ghostbusters to get them to believe him is a demerit to Egon. I'm trying to figure out... uh, It's Rule 21 for literally every other Ghostbuster. Learn from past events. If this happened before... It can happen again. Yep. And maybe listen to the the the, the cerebral one in the group. Yeah. Egon could have explained himself better. Maybe don't steal everything and run off. Maybe explain yourself. Like, hey, I need to go out to Oklahoma because I think something is happening out there. Cool. I'm going to take this equipment and go check it out. Cool. And maybe stay in contact. This is the problem when you have a bunch of schlubby guys who start a business together. Sometimes you, the, the professionalism just isn't there. <laughs> Rule number 19, don't split up, gang. Let's split up and look for clues. Don't split up, gang, yeah. <laughs> you know, he did try to call for backup, but at that point he had burned the bridges. Yeah. So they didn't want to come in. 
Yeah. And so, I mean, it's kind of a, also a rule violation here of like not waiting for backup yep. to try and curb the end of the world. Uh, but there was no backup coming. Yep. So he's just going to try to call for backup. They weren't going to come. Yep. So he's, he's just doing it himself. We're, we're riding solo today. He's on his own, but he has to do this because it's coming. Yes. So, and then he also turns out Egon has a kid, had a kid and abandoned her to go out to Oklahoma. Didn't want to bring, it turns out he didn't want to bring his kid with because it's dangerous. Um, end of the world stuff feel like you still could handle this better because let's say the world does end while you're out there well that ends the whole world it doesn't matter if your kid's in new york or chicago or in oklahoma probably could have brought the family with even put him in up in a different house or yeah. something like that but if the ghosts are watching him you know the, the there's there are ways that phones are a yeah. thing like you could have called more often but maybe that was just weird or maybe everyone thought you were crazy there are we, we could really drill into all of the mistakes that egon made here and yep. we can also chalk it up to very sloppy writing to get to where we are yep but, like, let's forgive these transgressions and just uh, move on with the plot. So, we run into Egon. He is escaping from a mine. He's driving his truck out of a mine in near Oklahoma, this town in Oklahoma. And something is chasing him and ends up, like, just wrecking his car. But he runs back to the house and he has a ghost trap. And it turns out he has either um, Vin's Clothar or Zul. We don't know which one it is. One of the two, the gatekeeper and the keymaster, one of those two, trapped in a ghost trap. He's got one of them, and he's using it to lure the other one to his house, and he has built a giant ghost trap, like hundreds of traps under the dirt, and he has built a giant trap to lure these big mega ghosts like Gozer here to trap them. So he's got this this giant setup uh, using generators all ready to go. Unfortunately, the power fails, and the trap does not work. So I think he knows that, oh, I'm dead. I am so screwed. Well, <laughs> we gave it our best shot. Uh, I'm going to actually say this is a rule break of 53. Have a backup plan. Yep. Uh, like, I understand end of the world stuff. Like, you got to shoot your shot. And maybe and maybe he felt like he was out of time and couldn't do it. But, like, he had this whole rig set up in the mine. And then he had all of this stuff figured out at the farm. And he's out here for decades. Yep. I can't buy this guy didn't have time. You know, he, he, he built the proton packs fairly quickly in the first movie i i can't imagine that he sh had no backup plan for lack of power now he didn't test the proton packs which we criticized him for we we did so he's a he's a bit unorthodox he didn't test this stuff properly so he hides the ghost trap in a hidden floorboard spot in his uh, house yeah and then he sits in his chair waiting for the ghost to arrive yeah it grabs him and kills him it makes it look like a heart attack yeah but uh yeah he, the movie opens with egon getting killed Yep. Yeah, kind of a bunch of rule violations for Egon. Yeah, and we've gone through a lot. A lot of them happened before the movie, but yeah. they are heavily, heavily implied. And we still even have some that we will find out about Egon yep. later. Therefore, in the movie, myriad mistakes. Early front runner for Night of the Living Pleb, even if he is trying to prevent the end of the world. This is not the way to do it, folks. Yep. But he certainly did know that he was in a horror movie. So he's not breaking rule one. He just... Almost every other rule. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't great. You know, the only thing he did right was rule 22 is take the shot. He tried. Yeah. You know, a commendable effort. Just utter failure. You know, he even, he even double tapped that pedal. Yeah, <laughs> he tried. <laughs> it just didn't work. So we cut to our main cast, our main family. Uh, first, we have Egon's daughter, Callie. Kaylee? Callie. Callie. I don't know, but played by Carrie Coon. Mom. <laughs> uh, mom. Uh, Carrie Coon, uh, she is well known for playing, she's the lead, one of the leads alongside Ewan McGregor in season three of Fargo, which I don't think you've seen season three yet. 
I have. That's I the really, one you did watch? Yep, and I really like that season. So, so she's the sheriff yeah. in season three. Yep. She's great. And then she's also uh, one of Thanos' minions in Avengers Endgame, or Infinity War. Well, I guess she's bo- Infinity War is the one where she has lines. Oh, is she the one with the, like, the dark hair? Proxima Who's Midnight is her name. Yeah. yeah. That is also her. Okay, didn't know that one. So that's Carrie Coon. And she has two kids. The older one is Trevor, who's just a typical teenager. Yeah. I suppose the character of Callie is kind of like dumb. She's dumb. Uh, she's a traumatized, abandoned daughter who's now a single mother of two teenagers slash preteens and makes no money and is really stressed out and life is hard and she's pretty cynical and beat down because of it. I don't like her. I love Carrie Coon. I really don't like this character. You're I, supposed to like her and I don't like her. I read about that dissonance in your review. I didn't agree. I felt like she was trying her best and I wasn't all that Failing bothered. miserably. I, I, I was not that bothered by what Carrie Coon did as a mom in this movie. Yeah. I, I, I don't don't know but anyway the the kids the older one is trevor typical teenager playing by finn wolfhard of stranger things fame and recently covered it 2017 indeed and then we have the other kid uh, daughter phoebe played by mckenna grace what is she in i guess she's got a small role in ready player one she played young tanya harding in i tanya she's uh oh yeah she's young carol danvers in captain marvel she's young daphne in scoob <laughs> she's young Madison and malignant. She just plays young characters. You know what? I'm glad that she finally gets to come into her own. She's not playing young Phoebe. She's, she's just, just Phoebe. Phoebe. Who's probably the best part of this movie. She's great. Oh, fantastic. It, she's number one, and then eventually we're going to get to Paul Rudd. Yep. He's number two, but she's number one by far. Incredible performance. Yeah, so she is Egon. She's female Egon, but she's not a copycat. She is definitely her own character. A hundred percent. I think... Uh, you put in your review, and again, I'm just quoting it because it was a very well-written review. Everyone should go check that out. Uh, plug Ryan's blog. But she's not doing an impression of Egon. She's just inherited a certain a level of his abilities and his understanding of science and the world around her. But it's being employed and acted upon in very different ways and in ways that a 12-year-old seemingly could do. Yep. Uh, so I really enjoy Phoebe's character. Yeah, Phoebe's a lot of fun. Great protagonist. Very quirky. Loves science. Kind of socially awkward. Her mom could not connect to her at all. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> but Phoebe is great. So the, these, this is the main family. And they, uh, we open with them getting evicted from their place in Chicago just as they find out Egon died, left them the house. Uh, in Oklahoma. And mountains and mountains of debt. Lots of debt. So they got to move out to Oklahoma, middle of nowhere, Oklahoma, and move on in here. Cue the country music. Yep. The Western spaghetti music. There's a lot of like crazy signs on Egon's front door. Uh, numbers written in the house. Just looks like a lunatic look. Yeah, very much end of the world stuff. You, yeah. You've seen this in Indiana Jones, I think Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, when they were inside uh, the, the, the cell of the guy who had been captured. Oh, yeah, yeah. Ox. Yeah, Ox. Yeah. 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 Very Ox. Yeah. That's a reference that nobody will appreciate, I feel like. I, was, I, I don't know why that's the first one where, like, the, the ramblings and carvings <laughs> yeah. and numbers all over. That's, that's what came to my head. Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, I think it's because it's the same where it's, it's coherent. Yeah. But only that person understood it. Yes. So they get to town. We get a brief cameo from Annie Potts, Janine, here to, like, sign over the documents for the house and stuff because she is the only one who kept in contact with the Egon. And remember, we love Annie Potts on this podcast. We love Annie Potts. So for supper that night, they're going to go to this burger place in town, and we're going to meet Trevor's love interest, a girl named Lucky. I don't know why she's in this movie. She doesn't contribute anything. I think she's lucky to be in this movie. Yeah. Where Ryan and I absolutely agree on this movie, Lucky doesn't need to be here. No. She serves one very impromptu and unnecessary service later in the movie, and that's it. That's all she does. She doesn't need to be here. 
Yeah, she's very much the fourth Ghostbuster. Yeah, she... Ugh. And she's oh. black. Come on, Ghostbusters. Come on. Be man. better. It's 2021. By far, the best fourth Ghostbuster is Leslie Jones. That's true. Yep. Well, I mean, at least Leslie Jones didn't feel like a fourth Ghostbuster yeah, in that true. movie. She, she was got into the plot early enough. Yeah, and she had plenty to do and yep. plenty to contribute and plenty to say. Yeah, Lucky's again just kind of here. Oh. Yeah, it's not great. That's I didn't even think about that. That's a bummer. Yep. So Trevor immediately has the hots for her and applies for a job at the burger place, and he gets it. And we're going to occasionally cut back and forth to them working at the burger place, and who cares? And who cares? That is the weakest part of the movie, right? In, indeed. Ryan and I both say, focus on the relationships between this family that has become estranged from itself because yep. they're missing this piece of their family that's always been gone. And now they're here trying to put it back together as well as to understand why it left in the first place. Way more riveting of a story in here somewhere rather than than them rule 19ing and splitting up gang for the entire movie only to kind of come back together in the third act. Trevor gets very little to do in this movie for being like the second build character. I think Finn Wolfhard, nothing to do. He he needed more. Yeah, he, he drives the car. Yeah. He's going to find Ecto-1 in the garage and, and work on fixing it because he's mechanically inclined. And that's his job. You know that he's mechanically inclined because he wears a T-shirt with the word Chevy on mm-hmm, it, mm-hmm. which is I made that prediction. I saw him in the Chevy shirt. And I'm like, oh, he's going to fix the Ecto-1, <laughs> isn't he? <laughs> so Phoebe notices a piece on her chessboard has moved. So she moves one in response. And I don't think there's enough to suggest there's a ghost here yet. That could have been mom trying to connect with her or maybe her brother. Yeah, to be clear, she went to bed and woke up and the piece moved. Yep. She did not see it move yet. Not enough for a horror movie yet. No. But she's going to go to summer school because she got nothing better to do. It's June, so she's going to go to summer school. And this... Summer School is taught by Gary Gruberson, played by Paul Rudd. One thing that makes me sad is he did this movie and was too busy to be in Halloween Kills, reprising his character. This is what he was doing instead. I really wish we got in a world where he was in Halloween Kills and we get somebody else here. You know, Halloween 6 sucks, but the fight at the end between Paul Rudd and Michael Myers is so much fun. Yep. So Gary, Paul Rudd, is kind of a a goofy, nerdy science teacher, and he's great. I love Paul Rudd's character here. Yeah. Paul Rudd is almost always awesome. There's one movie where he sucks. Uh, That was the movie Mute. He's terrible in that. (laughs) Is it because he doesn't get to talk? It's because he plays, like, one of just a heinous, unlikable character. Just a... Yeah. I, you know, I don't see Paul Rudd being the kind of actor who could pull off being unlikable very well. I'm, I'm sure he can be unlikable, but can he be believably unlikable? I don't know. It was, it was a thoroughly unpleasant experience to watch that movie. Well, you know what? He crushed his every single line in this movie. Yes, he was great in this. So he, I love it, he um, doesn't really give a crap about teaching summer school, so he just puts on R-rated horror movies for the class to watch, and he's working on his seismic experiments. Here's Cujo. <laughs> and Cujo's a fucked up movie. <laughs> anyway, here's Cujo. Yeah, he shows them Cujo, and he shows them Child's Play, which we've covered on the podcast, and we'll get to Cujo one day. Cujo's a great movie, but it's fucked up. And we also, uh, so Phoebe's other classmates, a kid named Podcast. He goes by Podcast because he has a podcast. Yeah, and he tells people to call him Podcast. Mm-hmm. And he calls himself Podcast. It's about like mysteries and conspiracy theories and stuff like that. You know, I feel slightly called out, but we're not as bad as Podcast here. You, it's not our entire personalities. No. <laughs> 
Ryan does not walk around with mics in his backpack, much to all of uh, the listeners' dismay. No, it's in a duffel bag. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> I literally carried them over in a duffel bag today. Yes, yes, you did. <laughs> so we have podcast. We have Gary. There are earthquakes happening in town. So Gary is like studying this activity. It's not volcanic. It's not seismic. It's more explosive. So that's what he's trying to figure out where the heck this is coming from because there's no fracking around here or anything like that. So they thought it might be fracking at first, but Gary and Phoebe bond over this because it turns out Phoebe's really smart. Yes. How do you triangulate? Do you have three sensors? Yes, I have three sensors. Oh, well, I was just making sure you weren't being obtuse. <laughs> Great joke. <laughs> so Phoebe and Podcast become friends, and they go check out the old mine on the edge of town, which closed because... All the miners started killing themselves. Yeah. Yep. That'll do it. Yep. And, and by the way, you know, maybe start thinking like you are either in a horror movie or this could be also don't go in the water. Why are you going into an old abandoned mine shaft? You were a kid and you're not. First of all, you don't know podcast very well. Yep. I know you want friends, but like maybe the first thing you do together isn't go explore the old abandoned mine. But I don't remember what it's like to be 12 and I've certainly never been to Somerville, Oklahoma. Rule 52, don't go in the water. There's sharks in the water. Don't go in the water. Nothing good has ever happened in spooky abandoned mines. You don't go into them. Agreed. Don't. Absolutely. So don't go in the mine. Mm-hmm. And, and we didn't even talk about how, like, Spangler's old house is creepy enough to maybe warrant, like, a few heebie-jeebies. Like, you're not in a horror movie, but, like, you might be in some kind of movie. They have nowhere else to go. Yeah, right. No, I understand they're forced into it, but you need, you need to be thinking about it. Definitely don't go in the mine, though. Uh, there's also weird carvings of Zool there. It's not a great place. Where did these carvings come from? Nobody knows. Oh, okay. Bye. Spooky. So Phoebe goes home. Another chess piece is moved. She moves another one, and then the pieces start moving. Rule number one, Phoebe, you are in a haunted house. Check for magnets first. Yeah, check for uh, magnets. You know, it could be an automatic chessboard. I don't know. Uh, but then the night piece actually floats. Yep. And uh, kicks a piece right into the screen, scares the shit out of Derek. That was funny. Worst jump scare I've ever seen in a, in a movie, ever. Yeah, you're in a horror movie now. She found Eon's ghost cracker earlier, and that turns on, so she starts using it, follows the ghost, lights start turning on one by one. And by the way, this these are the elements of this movie that I really love. Mm -hmm. She has no idea what this thing is, but we do. It's yep. kind of fun knowing the answer and watching a really smart 12-year-old who's the granddaughter of a great character, trying to, just watching her try and figure it out, work backwards, reverse engineer. So I just wanted to quick call out, I, I really enjoyed all of this stuff in the movie. So she's going to end up finding loose floorboards on the floor, and it's a sliding puzzle, and she solves the puzzle and finds the little hiding spot where Egon put the ghost trap. So she has the ghost trap now. Maybe a friendly ghost, maybe not. You don't know. Yeah, when she got sucked into the chair, I was like, oh, is this Casper? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so she brings the ghost trap to school, Shows podcasting Gary that. And Gary knows what it is. He's like, oh, you have a replica of the ghost trap from Ghostbusters? And we're like, wait, what? And he shows them, like, YouTube videos because they didn't know what he, the heck he's talking about. Nope. Back in the 80s, Ghostbusters happened. Ghostbusters 2 happened. And then, you know, the ghost stopped being a thing. Nobody's seen a ghost since, like, 89. And so somehow Phoebe and podcast don't know about this. But Trevor knows about this. They bring it up to him earlier. You know, one thing where we just have to kind of go a yada, 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 like... If this happened in the 80s, I feel like the world would become very different if there was, like, certain confirmation of an afterlife. I feel like life wouldn't just go on as normal if that had been proven out. I don't know. Who knows? But we'd have to kind of yada, 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 like, oh, yeah, ghosts? I haven't seen those in a while. I also like to believe that Paul Rudd was actually like, whoa, that was Paul Rudd talking. Whoa, that's a ghost trap? Real certified replica? That's so cool. 
You know, I could kind of believe that in New York life would just go on like, eh, I'm, I'm walking here. I don't care if there's an afterlife. I'm, I'm trying to get, uh, get to the subway. I'm not driving to Chinatown. Yeah, exactly. That kind of, you know, but we're in Oklahoma. It's a little different. Sure. I feel like people would care. But no, no, whatever. But they, they, they do an experiment with car batteries to try and get this thing open, which is so stupid. God, man, this kicks off everything that happens in the movie. This is a terrible plan. Play stupid games, win stupid prizes. This That is rule number 32. And I do want to differentiate this from what Kristen Wiig did in 2016, because Bill Murray, you'll remember fondly, shows up and demands to see a ghost that they had caught. And uh, Kristen Wiig opens the trap and Bill Murray lives or dies. We're not really sure, but it, it was really stupid of her to do that. She gets Night of the Living Pleb for that. Yep. In this case, they didn't know what was going to happen. Sure. And, and at worst, they just had an idea of what might happen if there was something in there, but they really didn't know. But they know ghosts exist. They know this was a Ghostbuster thing. Leave it closed. Yeah, yeah, I mean, again, it again th- th- this is definitely Rule 32, yep. mostly on Gary, because yeah, you're, the, on Gary. You're, you're the adult, Yes, and, you know, I understand two millimeters of safety goggles might protect you from some things, but uh, I don't imagine that ghosts are one of them, so. so they release Zool Irvins, whatever one this was, and now that the one of those is running around, and which kicks off the rest of the movie. Yeah. Good job. Gary's going to get them a ride back to Phoebe's house. They're going to find an Aztec death whistle among Egon's stuff. And Callie's there. And she's like, yeah, your podcast, you can have that. And then uh, it's very clear that Callie and Gary like each other pretty quickly. Start flirting. Definitely in a horror movie. Yep. <laughs> so podcast finds a drawing of the ghost they saw in a book. And he and uh, Phoebe start reading about Gozer and the ghost dogs. Rule number one, you guys are in a horror movie. So Trevor and Lucky and all the teenagers who work at the burger place who don't matter after this scene, they all go up to the old mountain mine and they're all hanging up by the mine shaft. And there's like an old lift over the mine shaft, deep hole that drops into a mine. They're all going to hang up here. Freaking Trevor and Lucky decide to sit in the lift over the abandoned mine shaft no! No, absolutely not. Like, I don't worry. I, I understand that, you know, your town, especially if you are in nowhere, Oklahoma, might have, like, Makeout Peak, right? It's where the teenagers go up to, to make out in their really crappy, dumpy cars. Yes. Cool, fine. That can be at the top of this mountain. But I don't know that I would hang out at the top of an abandoned mine No, shaft, you shouldn't. And I certainly wouldn't sit on an old termite-damaged mine shaft lift don't go in the water this is like don't go in the water it's play stupid games win stupid prizes it's i i don't this feels somehow like the biggest realistic rule break in this entire movie it's bad because like people out there could go do this like yep you know people have died doing this yeah not everyone can go make the same cerebral physicist supernatural level mistakes that egon is making in their universe but any old idiot can fall down a mine shaft in our world. Why are they doing this? It's so stupid. Because teenagers are dumb. Teen- teenagers are very dumb, but I always forget exactly how dumb. Yeah. Don't do this. Because th- this may be super stupid. I totally buy this happening. Yeah. This is very, This is not like a dumb... Like, it's dumb, but like I buy the characters doing this. Yeah. yeah. It's not unrealistic. Yeah. I'm just very disappointed in them. <laughs> and so, like, they hear shaking below them. So, like, oh, shit, we got to get off this. Yeah. Yeah, very good. And then below it, they see it's a ghost. It's one of the, the ghost dog down there. Um, it kind of looks more like a fireball, though, and, like, fire shoots out of the mine. I think you could safely assume there was just, like, a gas explosion down there. That's what I would assume before ghosts. 
it almost looked like lava to me, but there are no volcanoes in Oklahoma that we know of. Mm-hmm. You know, it's pretty close to the Yellowstone caldera, I guess. Not that close. I, I'm, I'm, I'm spitballing here, Ryan. You know, on a cosmic level, they're very close. Yeah, cosmically speaking. <laughs> but that's, that's What other scale would I be using, Ryan? So Phoebe's going to follow the ghost tracker into a, an old shed, which leads to a fire pole down into Egon's workshop. And she's kind of going to realize that the ghost is Egon yeah. at this point. Yep. There's a whole bunch of Ghostbusters gear, a whole bunch of stuff. And so Phoebe works with Ghost Grandpa and fixes a proton pack, gets that running again. And the next day, she and Podcast are going to go test it out, and they get the proton pack working. Then they're going to find a ghost. They're going to find a ghost called Muncher uh, that lives out in this foundry area, this old foundry. This movie is Slimer. Yes, it, it's he eats metal instead of slime and stuff. And spits bullets. Honestly, this is a dope ghost. I, I love this ghost. Pr- pretty good ghost. So... The voice actor for Muncher, because he makes noises, it's multiple voice, uh, voices uh, laid over one another, so there's multiple voice actors, one of which, Josh Gad. All right, cool. Olaf himself. Yep. Or LeFou, I guess, whatever movie you want to talk about. So they go find Muncher, this blue ghost podcast, you're in a horror movie, <laughs> like just reminding you, he blows the Aztec death whistle for some reason. Why? Well, it was supposed to ward off spirits, and you're going off of intuition. This is bad intuition. And every single time we see characters in a Ghostbuster movie confront a ghost for the first time... It goes badly. It, it goes poorly, and, the, and and we say you addressed it all wrong. You had the weapon here. May, like, if you're going to confront it, maybe just use the weapon. Which Phoebe will do, but uh, Rule 26, don't give away your position. Yeah, that's bad. Phoebe is going to shoot it with the proton pack, and podcast will try to trap it, but Muncher does escape. Uh, take the shot. So take the shot. Solid Rule, job. Rule 22, take the shot. Good job, Phoebe. Way better than the original Ghostbusters, who were frozen in fear. Yep. Um, and way better than uh, Kristen Wiig, who just kind of was like, hello, ghost, and, you know, got slimed. Yes. So Phoebe is so far the most uh, capable protagonist with a proton pack in a pinch for the first time. Yes. Phoebe Clutch. <laughs> Clutch AF. Trevor's going to fix Ecto-1 with the help of Ghost Eon. He doesn't know that yet, though. But he gets it running, and he's going to run into, not literally, uh, Phoebe and Podcast pick <laughs> him up. They're like, hey, we need a, a lift. He's like, okay. He does not have a license, and he's driving on the roads into town. Not uh, great. And, and, you know, Ryan, I know I know you were raised in, uh, in the cities. Yep. I was raised in a small town. Mm-hmm. Driving around... In the country without a license is not uncommon. Yeah. I definitely didn't do it. I was a good boy. Uh, but if I had done it, I would have driven to Fleet Farm and picked up my dad, a 12-pack of Mountain Dew, when he was passing a kidney stone and was basically like dead on the bathroom floor. But you never did it. But I never did it. That's a very oddly specific hypothetical of me actually going into town without a driver's license. Uh, but again, I didn't do it. So that never happened. No, it definitely never happened. Uh, my dad did not teach me how to drive a manual on back roads, county road 17, 18, and such, such, such like that, without a license and all that. That didn't happen. And, and honestly, they could have gotten away with this if uh, it wasn't for what happens next. I mean, yeah, you know, <laughs> I, w- I wasn't doing supernatural drive-bys. Yes. Yeah, where I'm from, this is a big deal. <laughs> you can't get away with this th- there, because I'm from the suburbs, uh, a first-ring suburb, too. <laughs> you can't um, drive Ecto-1 through the burbs with a photon cannon blowing through every Randy's diner on the corner. <laughs> you know, I, 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 where I'm from, I could swing a dead cat, and it would land in Minneapolis. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, no, can't do this. They're going to getting to my favorite sequence of the movie. They're going to track down Muncher in town, and they're going to get into a car chase with him. So Trevor's going to be driving. 
Uh, it turns out uh, Egon made some upgrades to Ecto-1. It now has a gunner seat, which you know, <laughs> reminds me of uh, Jurassic Park The Lost World with the gunner seat. Sure, yeah, yeah. And uh, Phoebe just gets swung out to the side with a proton pack and is, like, launching the proton pack and, at it. And not to bring up Star Wars again, but it kind of reminded me of, like, the gunner spots in the Millennium Falcon sure, yeah. in, like, A New Hope. Yep. Where like, don't get cocky, kid. <laughs> and to make it even better, there is my favorite new gadget is a remote control RC car. Oh, so cool. That is also a ghost trap. Yeah. Mobile ghost trap unit, which uh podcast starts driving around. And this thing is awesome. I love I, that thing. Th- this is, like... This is the kind of shit I want in my Ghostbuster sequel. And you got it. I got it. This is great. This is by this is my favorite stuff in the movie. So we get this awesome chase around town where they're hunting down Muncher who's just eating stuff. And eventually they are going to get him. They're going to trap him in the mobile unit. It's a pretty cool sequence. Uh, gets the attention of the local police department, though. Yep. Uh, there, there are some rules out there related to vehicles i don't think we get a new one in any of this you know we do almost get into a head-on collision but you know we did keep our eyes on the road for the most part for the most part you know realistically speaking with there being a ghost on the loose so uh, i think that trevor's character does a pretty good job here given the circumstances and given his lack of experience but again maybe he shouldn't have been driving in this circumstance rule four don't be a menace we 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 cannot condone this kind of behavior yeah yeah don't drive without a license because he failed his driver's test three times. There's a reason for that, Trevor. He was only 15. Are they allowed to get licenses at 15 in Illinois? It's 16 in Minnesota, but I think yeah. it's 15 in North Dakota. 15 in Iowa, uh, maybe? I think there's a, a clause for farmers where you can get oh, like a special yeah. cl- farmer's permit. That's, that was something in Minnesota as well, the yeah. farmer's permit. Yep, that was the mm. thing. But I don't think he was a farmer. No. Anyway. So, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't really make sense he would take, file his driver's test three times. We found a plot hole. <laughs> this is the biggest issue with this movie. The most unrealistic thing. So they're going to end up getting pulled over by the sheriff. And the sheriff is actually played by another Fargo alumnus. Uh, Bokeem Woodbine plays the sheriff in a small role. And he was uh, Mike Milligan in Fargo Season 2. Arguably my favorite character in Fargo Season 2. And the uh, Kitchen Boys. Uh, the Kitchen Brothers. I love Bokeem Woodbine. He is also known for... Um, he played um, the Shocker in Spider-Man Homecoming. Mm. He was in a really, really great movie. Overlord. Is that the one with like the zombies? J.J. Yeah. Abrams, right? Yep. Uh, well, I, 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 he produced it. I think he produced. He was yeah. involved with it. Yeah. I never saw that one. Oh, that movie kicks ass. I want to see it now. Um, yeah, he's got a small role in that. I love Bokeem Woodbine. He's a great actor. He's been barely any of this though. I was kind yeah, of disappointed. Yeah. He just shows up. And again, Ryan and I are all for just like cutting all of this out of the movie. Yeah, cut it all. I mean, you can have him get arrested, but you don't need a, a cop with a face. No, just put him in jail. Meanwhile, while all this was going on, Carrie and I saw Carrie Coon. <laughs> Callie and Gary were out on a date. I guess if you combine their names, they would be Carrie. Yeah. <laughs> or Galley. Or Galley. I like Carrie better. <laughs> so they're in the jail cell, and Lucky's in the cell next to them. And it turns out she's the daughter of the sheriff. And she's just trolling. Yeah, she's messing with them. Phoebe gets her one phone call, and she asks the sheriff, like, can I get my phone call? And he goes, sure. Who are you going to call? It was funny. Boom. It was funny, because he didn't say, who are you going to call? He goes, who are you going to call? It's not your business, Sheriff. It's, it's, it's different. It's funny, though. I, I liked it. Ryan thought it was a you know, shade if, too far. If that was the only thing of fan service in the movie, I could live with it. But the one. Oh, you get one. The the Twinkie and the Crunch Bar. You cut those two. I hate that. The, the rest of them are get fine. Get rid of the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. That shouldn't be here. That doesn't make any sense. This could stay. I'll allow it. 
Okay. <laughs> I, I will allow this. If I'm cutting, if I'm the editor, I will, I will allow this. She had watched, she'd written down the number from the Ghostbusters commercial. She watched it on YouTube earlier. She calls it, it's Ray. It's Ray's store. So she gets to talk to Ray and this is where we get the backstory on what happened to Egon. And she explains like, hey, I'm in Oklahoma. There's something happening. By the way, I was, I'm Egon's granddaughter. And then the sheriff hangs up their call. I don't think that's legal. Ah, fuck you, sheriff. I, I don't think you're allowed to hang up the phone call. Don't be a goddamn, and it's a kid. She's 12. You rule three, do your damn job. Yeah. Uh, rule four, don't be a menace. It's a, it's a 12 year old kid. Yeah, fuck the sheriff. Lay off. Lucky, fuck your dad. Yeah. What a prick. He's, he's a prick. He's a real prick. By the way, if I'm uh, uh, if I'm Phoebe, I probably call my mom. If I'm going to be honest, you can call Ray any other time. Well, she has a very low opinion of her mom. I guess, but you need to focus on getting out of jail. That can be Trevor's phone call. I guess if everyone gets one phone call, yeah. you may as well. Maybe that's the deleted scene. Yeah, but uh, Callie and Gary are going to uh, show up. And Phoebe's going to try and explain about the ghosts, and nobody believes her, obviously. Except Gary. Except Gary. But well, he should. already knows. He, he's seen him, confirmed. <laughs> hey, did you catch one? Yeah. yeah. Caught one. Oh, awesome. <laughs> She's going to draw the proton pack on the sheriff. Holy shit. Damn. That's <laughs> escalated quickly. <laughs> and nothing cool happens from this sequence. I was really hoping they'd go, but you know, Callie's basically like, go to your room. <laughs> Takes it away from her. Uh, you know... I understand you were in the car where uh, Trevor was driving. That's why you got arrested. But, like, I don't know, threatening to, like, dematerialize a cop. <laughs> I'm going to go well for you. <laughs> but, yeah, I love that moment. I was like, oh, my God. It, it does. It, it almost feels out of place. But you can tell. I, I like it from Phoebe's character because she finally has something that she's passionate about and yep. she believes in. And, it, and she has a sense that it's bigger than herself. It's become personal. So... I actually thought it was, like, very fitting for her. So they go home. Gary's going to go to Walmart, do a little shopping. And while he's there, he runs into a Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. Just a little one, a little baby one. He's adorable. And then all of a sudden, there's a whole bunch of them. They're like gremlins. I hate this. I hate that this is in the movie. It doesn't make any goddamn sense. Because the reason why the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man is in the first movie is because that is just what randomly popped into Ray's head. And that is supposed to destroy the world. Why are they here now? I mean, you have to think that specters have some kind of memory or some kind of formal retention. And so it could just be like, hey, this is what happened last time, and we're just going to enchant the marshmallows. Ryan, you're thinking too hard no, about it, it. it. it's clearly just fan service that doesn't need to be here. This is annoying. I, did, I don't like that. Oh, here. it was fine. The, the, the Stay Puft who impales his friends and then roasts them that, over that, that the was grill. Funny. And um, the one who gets chopped up in the blender. It's funny just watching these guys be like, woohoo. And yep. then they kill themselves. That part was funny, <laughs> but I'm annoyed that they're in the movie. I'll be honest. Gary runs away. One of them bites him. And then he runs into one of the demon dogs, Vin's Clothar. And he's like, oh, shit. I'm in a real horror movie. Yeah. yeah you know, rule one with the Stay Puft Marshmallow. But now, like, big rule one. Like, this is this is Roman numeral yep. uno. You're in trouble. So he runs away. But as he's running away, he, he picked up some ice cream. And he chucks the ice cream at the demon dog and runs off. Dude, you didn't need to do that. It's not going to help you at all. And all it's going to do is piss off. You know, you don't just throw things at animals. Uh, you know, I, I don't blame him for this one because, like, it had already kind of snarled, like, ooh, I want you. Yep. Slowly back away. Don't run. It might be, like, bear rules. Don't run that. I'll just uh, kick in the predator instincts. You don't necessarily want to run. Try just slowly backing away first and don't aggravate it. Well, and he was trying to back away, but then the Stay Puft Roomba yep. ran into him, and then it was alerted to his attention, and it was going to get him either way. Now, once it starts chasing him, yeah, run, bitch, run. Rule yeah. 28. Run, bitch! Run! 
he gets out to his car and, and what happened when they did the um the battery test to open the ghost trap earlier it blew out the windshield of his car so he's got no windshield on his car so he gets to this car and vins manages to get him and possess him yeah like rick moranis before him yep now he is vince clothar as the body of paul rudd and somehow i knew this was going to happen the entire movie it made me sad well, well once i knew that like this was going to be gozer and zool and stuff and all this and i'm like oh i see where this is going yes yep podcast and phoebe do some research on gozer and they discover that this town and they, they talked to lucky and trevor about this too and so this guy named ivo shander who was mentioned in ghostbusters one he owned the entire town of sunnyville or whatever the heck it was called built the whole town the mine owned everything and he shipped the stuff from the mine to New York to build that apartment building where Ghostbusters 1 Final Battle took place. So this was his town. Everyone, Everything in this town is named after him. Ivo Shandor. Yep. What a name. So that's how this is all connected. So Feed Me, Lucky, Podcast, and Trevor, they're going to go check out the mine. No! No! They're going to go in the mine shaft elevator and lower themselves into this mine. Absolutely not! So, like, rule 52 is, like, don't go in the water, but, like, I... I and, and we're not making another rule for this, but, like, don't go back in the water! The, Jaws 2, just when you thought it was safe to go back in the water... You know, we didn't even... We're not even in sequel territory yet, really. Like, this, this is still the movie. No, don't go in the, the, this mine. It's so bad. And one, the other thing, it's, it's different if you know that the end of the world is coming. And in like other Ghostbusters movies, we've forgiven them because yep. it's like, okay, if someone doesn't do something, the world ends. You need to do something. They don't go in armed. They don't go in with a plan. They go in completely blind mm-hmm. and just sort of on faith that Egon had sort of taken care of the house before they got there. I I don't know that that's something that's very smart to do in this context. Not with the information you have presently. It's terrible. This might be the worst movie of the movie. Possibly. Yeah. All four of them, this is awful. So they go in, there's a giant statue of Gozer. And by the way, they, they use that same pulley that we said don't sit on yep, earlier. And they, they lowered it. Bad. Like earthquakes happening, and you're going to, oh my goodness. Giant ghost fireballs are coming out of this Giant statue of Gozer. This place is also a tomb. Ivo Shandor's body is here and laying in state in a big glass box. Very Walt Disney. Yeah, very Walt Disney. There's a bunch of numbers written up above the statue of Gozer, and it's it's like years where there is a lot of paranormal activity. Or a giant explosion or cataclysm or something and like that. And it's implied those things are aligned. Yes. So the explosion of Krakatoa, the volcano, is on there. 1945. Um... What didn't happen in 1984? Yeah, yeah, 1984. Ghostbusters won. And then the last number, 2021. So this is the end. That's the implication. All right, now you might need to prevent the apocalypse. Okay. Okay. Now we have the information, but you still came in here unarmed, yep. which was really stupid. Yep. There's also a whole bunch of proton packs set up, like automatic ones, like security turrets. Yeah, it reminded me of like a tower defense game yeah. a little bit, where like every time the ghosts start to get wily and bubble up out of the ground, it's like, nope, 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 we're just going to pat that back down, yeah. sweep it back under the rug for now. There's a big hole in the middle of this room. This is where the miners were killing themselves, jumping down this hole, and that's where the ghosts are trying to come out of, including Gozer. Yeah, it reminded me of uh, Hades Underworld yep. in uh, the animated Hercules, like yep. that, that pool of the undead. Or in the, the Percy Jackson, yep. oh, in the Olympians movie, which everyone loves. It's everyone's favorite movie. Yeah, yeah, that was <laughs> but great. That, very similar. <laughs> Egon set up these proton pack defense systems to prevent Gozer and the ghosts from getting out. Good for him, by the way. Yep, th- that's th- great. Th- this counts as like a backup plan. He's buying himself time, yep. which we are all for on this podcast. Prevented him from uh, Gozer from rising earlier. Yes. 
So Callie, she goes home and she finds the ghost tracker and finds Egon's ghost, leads her down into the workshop, finds a whole bunch of pictures to find out like her dad did care about her. He actually did care. And then immediately Zool attacks her and possesses her. Oh boy. <laughs> Instantly. So the kids are going to get home and find a Callie uh, in, in chanted or possessed by Zool. <laughs> Pretty fun. That That is very funny. So back in the mountain, Vins gets there, Paul Rudd, and destroys one of the proton pack uh, defense systems, which allows the ghosts to rise. Yeah, or he misdirects one to blow up another, yeah. so now there's only two left. And the ghosts are free. The ghosts are free. They start haunting the town. All right, so now we're in, like, the end game. Yes. And Zool, at this point, takes off running towards the mountain. She, uh, Carrie Coon jumps out the window and <laughs> takes off. Gallops on all fours. <laughs> and they're going to go to the mountain and bang. And again, didn't really like this in the original movie. I really don't like it here either. It's weird. Uh, and 2021, we probably should have known better. Uh, but I understand that the movie people are like, well, you know, it's a ritual. We got to do it this way. Eh, you didn't have to do it this way. Yeah. But, you know. Phoebe realizes that, you know, because the word dirt is written on the barn at Egon's farm. And everyone joked that, you know, he was a dirt farmer because he can grow anything. That's well, because he wasn't farming. He built something under the dirt. And there's a, like a hundred ghost traps built under this dirt. The whole farm is a trap, uh, which we knew already. But now mm -hmm. our characters know this. And they realize they have to lure Gozer here in order to trap Gozer. So the kids go to the police station. The cops are all busy dealing with ghost bullshit so they can get in to get Ecto-1 and their equipment. Their equipment is behind bars. So very smartly podcasts release Muncher from the trap in there. Muncher eats the bars and they can get all their equipment. I liked that. That was clever. Lucky is going to take a police car and she's going to go off on her own for some dumb reason because she doesn't need to be in the movie. Yep. She's going to go wait at uh, Egon's house for some I, reason. I guess helping set up, I guess. Just being uh, there like uh, as a surprise. Unclear. Completely unnecessary. Doesn't need to be in the movie. Does, it's almost like she doesn't serve much of a purpose. So uh, Trevor, Podcast, and Phoebe, they're going to go to the mountain where they see Vins and Zool transform into their dog selves, which is, you know, their mom transforming into a dog. Yep. And Paul Rudd, which you hate to see. Nope, don't like that. Which allows Gozer to arrive. So we now we have Gozer in uh, the same form we saw in Ghostbusters 1, but this time Gozer is actually played by Olivia Wilde. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, apparently she was in Harold Ramis' last film. So that's why she was in this. So we got Gozer. We got Zool. We got Vince. And now let's throw J.K. Simmons into the mix because Ivo Shandor wakes up, turns out he's alive, and is played by J.K. Simmons in the quickest cameo ever because he set all of this up to bring Gozer, Gozer to life or into this world because he wanted to rule the world with Gozer. Who else did this? Saruman kind of did this. This is kind of the Saruman. We're going to rule side by side. We're definitely going to rule side by side with Sauron. Yeah, do you think that the evil god really is going to rule with you? He does not share. There's only one Lord of the Rings, and he does not share power. What a stupid idea. Yeah, bring a demon god to life, and yeah, they're going to rule with you. Dumbass. Yeah, there's a better example out there than Saruman, but you, you get the point. I'm almost thinking like Benny and the Mummy, but that was more of like a gun to his head kind of yeah. thing. So. Oh, I can't wait to cover the Mummy. Out of, oh my goodness, especially with Brendan Fraser's like resurrection. It's been great. Yes. So immediately Gozer just rips him in half. Okay, hi J.K. Simmons, bye kids, J.K. Simmons. Yeah, this is what happened to Commodore Norrington in Kingsman. Yep. Uh, gruesome death. Awesome. 
Uh, yeah, play stupid games and win stupid prizes. <laughs> I don't know what else to say, man. You know, that might even be the dumbest move in the movie. That's pretty bad. Like, like a bringing a god, an evil god back to the earthly plane so that you can rule side by side with it and then you just get immediately torn in half. Real Night of the Living Club. What did you What did you think was going to happen? What did you expect? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, by Evo Shandor. <laughs> I completely forgot about that part of the movie. We know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. <laughs> so Phoebe walks in and starts telling jokes to Gozer. Because the, the running thing throughout this whole movie is Phoebe has these terrible anti-jokes, which are really funny, actually. Oh, great. What is the difference between a hamster and a cigarette? Neither of them do any harm until you light them on fire and stick them in your mouth. Yeah, yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Like, what is what is the same? What, what, do they, what do they have in common? A yeah. hamster and a cigarette have in common? Uh, <laughs> So she's just telling jokes, which is just distracting. So podcasts can get the RV ghost trap in there and capture Zool, which frees their mom. <laughs> and allows Trevor to drive the Ecto-1 in and get them all in the car and they all drive off. So we're going to get another car chase with Vin's chasing the RC car. Yep, very mirrored from the opening scene, except now we have backup. We have the yep. whole gang here, none of whom are as qualified as Egon, yep. but at least they have the power of friendship. They got the power of friendship. They're real friends. The real Ghostbusters after like, were the friends we made along the way. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Vin's almost gets a few shoots Vin's, and they manage to get the RC car and, and get back to the farm. So we're going to have our final showdown here. Gozer arrives. Gozer isn't in its final form anymore because... Zool has been captured. So in a weakened form, Gozer enters the field and they're about to like do the trap. So the first thing that happens is Lucky kicks the door open and, and shoots Gozer with the proton pack. And then the next part of the plan is supposed to be Trevor's supposed to do the same thing. Shoot him with the proton pack. Except a whole bunch of Stay Puft Marshmallow men are here sabotaging the gear, just like Gremlins. Yeah, and I didn't like this. The, yeah. Why are they there? How did they get there? I didn't understand this at all. And so podcast and, and Trevor have to fight the marshmallow men and they can't help. Yeah, that's that's their uh, mountain to uh, <laughs> mountain to climb. And so they, they try to activate the trap and the power again fails, just like happened to Egon in the beginning. I guess yeah, he wouldn't have had time to. Maybe he sh that's what he should have been doing. If he knew he was going to die, he should have written a note like, "Hey, there's no power. I fix the power. <laughs> yeah, the trap does not work. I am dead. <laughs> I'm dead. Please fix. Try again." <laughs> so Gozer releases Zool, who then possesses Lucky. So now Lucky's a dog. Which again doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It makes at all. no sense. Just takes her off the board again. Fine. Who cares? <laughs> less to do. So it looks like we're totally screwed. And then the OG Ghostbusters walk up. We have Ray, we got Venkman, and we got Winston. They're all here, ready to help with the fight. And they immediately pull out the Proton Packs, cross the streams. Cool. Nope. Gozer's learned a thing or two and uncrosses the streams. She's uncrossing the streams. <laughs> it's just funny watching a professional actor deliver that line. Yes. Tosses them aside, no problem. They're all screwed again, but Phoebe and Gozer get into a Harry Potter duel. It, it, honestly, like y you can't help but picture Voldemort and Harry Potter yep. at this point. But it looks so dope. It's so it's good. Pretty good looking, but it does remind me of the, the fight in Goblet of Fire at the end. Which, you know what? That is that is a fight worth emulating. I, I, am, I am here for it. She fights Gozer for long enough. The OG Ghostbusters all get back in the game. They cross the streams. And then Trevor and Podcast kill the Marshmallow Men. And Trevor fires his proton back at the generators. Gives it more power which allows Callie to activate the traps and finally capture Gozer, Zool, and Vins, and all the other ghosts and all these traps. And we did it! Apocalypse has been averted. 
But I think the, the 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 thing that people really like is when Phoebe's fighting Gozer, the ghost of Egon appears. And it's very much like Harry's parents in Goblet of Fire, where mm-hmm. Egon is help guiding the, the stream and is alongside the OG Ghostbusters fighting Gozer. Which, you know, I, I in theory is really like a cool moment. I always have like hangups about this like CGI holograms of the dead. I don't like it, which kind of bugs me. It, you know, it, it's odd. I think all you can do is ask for permission and then let let the chips lie where they may. If you're gonna do it. I felt like it was done tastefully enough. They did not have him speak, which I really liked. It was more of just like soft looks. You know, I'm going to say more with my face than I am with my words. I liked that a lot. I understand why people like it. It gives me the ick. I understand. I, I I don't appreciate you the, using the, 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 the Gen Alpha lingo. Yeah, yeah. This 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 new hip lingo. You know, it's different with Carrie Fisher if they gave she gave explicit permission, but in general, unless they give explicit permission, I don't like it. Let's not do it. Let actors stay dead. But the Ghostbusters reconcile with Egon, as does uh, Callie and Egon, they all reconcile and Egon moves on to the afterlife. Very E.T. when they're mm-hmm. they're looking at the spaceship going into space. It felt very similar to the end of E.T. But they did it. The movie uh, cuts to New York in a couple of post-credit sequences. We get Peter and Sigourney Weaver. Dana is here. And they're doing the little experiment from the very beginning of Ghostbusters 1. But they're shocking Bill Murray instead and kind of acknowledging that it was a little meh. Yeah, what, what he was doing in the original was kind of shitty. They acknowledge it here and they shock Bill they're, Murray. They're just shocked. It's Sigourney Weaver shocking Bill Murray. And yep. it's pretty funny. Yep. And then finally, we have Winston hanging out with Janine, just talking a little bit. And then Winston puts the Ecto-1 in the old firehouse, which he's bought back. Apparently is not a Starbucks, by the way. Yeah, Ray said it was a Starbucks, but apparently it's not. He said he thought it was a Starbucks. Oh. So that's where, that's where we're at. But in the basement of the firehouse, the old storage unit where they kept the ghosts, there's a red blinking light, which I don't know what that means, but it means something, I think. There's a sequel. There's a sequel coming. That's what it means. It must be uh, the bad guy from uh, Ghostbusters 2. Oh, yeah, everyone's favorite. Oh, no. I hope that's not the sequel. Please, no. <laughs> Anything. <laughs> Anything but Ghostbusters 2. And that is the end of Ghostbusters Afterlife. No new rules. I have no no new rules. Different tone, same story, <laughs> kind of. Let's get into some awards, Absolutely. which I'm really curious about, because I, I don't really know where I'm going to go with any of these. Yeah. Randy Meek's Mirror Badge goes to the character the best job at following the rules. Of course, based off Randy from Scream. There are certain rules that one must abide by in order to successfully survive a horror movie. Derek, who are you thinking here? I'm going to say Phoebe, but I want to acknowledge that she still broke plenty of rules. Going in the mine was bad. But I, you know, there's no gold standard. There's nobody no. who just, like, fucked off out of the movie. And everyone else either didn't have a chance to follow any rules Mm -hmm. or make any good moves or made worse moves or aggregately more. So of our main cast, who's in like the movie consistently, I do think Phoebe's probably the best. The question I I bring us back to is, how about the OG Ghostbusters? They just show up at the end and help save the day. What about them? Because I I would say handsome Phoebe, but that going in that mine is so bad. My thing with the OG Ghostbusters is, you know, you could say they showed up armed. Mm-hmm. They they took the shot. Uh, they answered the question correctly this time. Yep, yeah, because they, they you know, are you a god? Yes, I am a god. We're all gods here. Ray did learn from past events. Uh, so, you know, if you want to give it to one of them, I don't feel great about calling mm-hmm. it for Phoebe. I'm just saying Phoebe had more of an opportunity to, uh, like... Come into a blind situation, and she overcame yep. a lot. And I understand that that's not following any explicit rules, but it is, in a way, kind of learning from past events through the eyes and yep. actions of Egon. Yep. 
Uh, and that's what and that's what she does the whole movie, and she ends up winning. Yes. Uh, so it feels very much giving it to the final girl, just because you know you can't give it to anyone else. Yep. Uh, but if you want to give it to one of the OG Ghostbusters, I will not overrule you on that. All right. Well, let's take a look at these OG Ghostbusters. Is there one that's better than the others? And I think it's Ray. I think Ray is the best because he did learn the most. It seemed like, and he was the one who did get everyone together and go out there and. Without them, the world ends. Yeah, and he obviously communicated with them effectively. Like, hey, I know how we feel about Egon, but, like, we got to go do this. We got to go do this, and they do it. And then when they did what they did last time, that doesn't work. They adapt and and join in and and still overcome this. So I do think Ray is the best of those three. I'll Um, agree with that. um, Unless you want to give it to Winston for becoming super rich. (laughs) This is not the How to Get Rich podcast. You can do that one. Maybe it should be. <laughs> uh, I know you love finance people. Yeah. Uh, and Winston, Winston's probably your favorite Ghostbuster now because he's a finance oh, guy. Oh, abs- 100%. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's totally it. Uh, you know, I, I think I would 100% give it to Phoebe if she didn't go down in that stupid mine because that is so bad. Uh, yeah. That, that's fair enough. So I, I, can, we, can we give an honorable mention to Phoebe and give the uh, award to Ray? I am all for it. Okay. So cool. Ray gets it. Uh, Ray's got both now. Ray got Night of the Living Club in Ghostbusters 2, and he redeems himself. He gets the Randy Meeksmeyer badge in Ghostbusters Afterlife. Good for Dan Aykroyd. Heck of a circle. Heck of a circle for Ray Stans. Let's move into Night of the Living Club, which goes to the character to the worst job at following the rules. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Stop it. You're ignorant. They're coming for you, Barbara. You know, I'd like, I thought there would be a fair number, but I actually think this answer is pretty clear cut. It's uh, Ivo Shandor. Yep. You know, Egon wasn't great, Yep. but at least he tried. Yeah, he was trying to prevent the end of the world, whereas Ivo Shandor was very stupidly like, let's do it. I like this. Gozar will like me. They both put the effort into their plans. Egon failed. Ivo succeeded, and it blew up in his face or what's left of it. Yeah, it ripped him in half. Uh, So I think it's Ivo Shandor with a bullet. Yeah, you know... Don't cause the apocalypse. And, you know, like I said, this is no credit to Egon. He did a lot of things wrong, but at least he wasn't trying to cause the horror movie. And I do like that he put up the proton pack defense system, which is pretty cool. Yeah, played played real-life tower defense. Good for him. But uh, Evo Shandor, oh, bad. Bad, 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 bad. Don't summon gods. Don't do it. <laughs> Sumerian death gods or whatever uh, gozers don't. It's not a good call. J.K. Simmons has a Night of the Living Pleb J.K. award Simmons now. Has Night of the Living Pleb. <laughs> Just stick to getting pictures of Spider-Man, man. <laughs> Spider-Man, still causing trouble in downtown Manhattan. And now in Oklahoma. <laughs> so I.O. Shandor wins Night of the Living Pleb. I love it. <laughs> I what, a, what a stupid I move. didn't see this coming into the movie because I completely forgotten about J.K. Simmons being here. <laughs> All right. Derek, that is Ghostbusters Afterlife. And that is Ghostbusters, period, for now. Yes. Okay, let me look this up real quick, because there is a Ghostbusters TV show, an animated one. Oh, boy. So the Ghostbusters TV show is called The Real Ghostbusters. It's an animated TV series. It ran from 1986 to 1991. Oh, God. How many seasons are there? There's seven seasons, 140 episodes. Jesus Christ. Yikes. Okay, so here's the deal with this Ghostbusters TV show. I have never seen it. I am going to start watching this on my own one day no yeah i'm currently i'm watching the friday the 13th tv series which i like a lot after that there's a couple other ones i want to watch i know the i know you did last summer tv show is another one that i was interested in covering there's an exorcist tv show which i'm also much more interested in watching so the ghostbusters tv show is not a high priority for me i will get around to it one of these days and i will watch it and if i think it is worth covering if if we can do it we'll do it 
But I'm going to watch the whole thing first, which could take a couple, a couple of years. So this might be way down the road, Derek. And that one being 140 episodes, I'm guessing animated, so 20 minutes each. Yep. Maybe it's a season per episode on that one, and you just pick out the big highlights. We'll see. We'll see. I'm going to watch this, and I will get back to you. Uh, this this is not something we're going to do anytime soon. Nope. Uh, this is way in the future, but I will definitely watch it and see how it goes. But yeah, it's it's. I'm looking at the character list. Bankman, Egon, Ray. Oh, God. Slimer, Stape of Marshall, Mayor Lenny, uh, Winston, Janine, Louis Tully. Yeah, looks. Yeah. The the real Ghostbusters. Any notable names in this? Okay, there's a few uh, um, actors' voice. Oh, Frank Walker's in this. That's cool. So, yes, yeah, so the Ghostbusters TV show may happen one day. The emphasis on may. There's, there's other things that are higher priorities. In the meantime, Ghostbusters is off the wheel. And if you'll remember, this is the chef's choice spot. So, that's back open. So, if we land on the eighth spot on the wheel, I could pick whatever I want, put whatever I want on there. So Chef's Choice is back, baby. But Derek, since you have finished the Ghostbusters series, you get to make a pick. You get to reserve something for yourself. You know what? Because I like just linking things up. We were just talking about the mummy. Why don't I reserve that? I know that it includes the Tom Cruise mummy eventually here, but it also includes the 1935 mummy, which I'm super excited to watch because I hear that it is awful. It's a terrible movie. It's so boring. But there's that movie, and then we get Brendan Fraser. Oh, well, there's a whole bunch of sequels. The oh. Universal, there's a whole bunch of them. So there's like six or seven Mummy movies from like the 30s and, and stuff. So we'll get to that. Then we have The Mummy 2 and 3. Sure, 3 is bad. We're not doing The Scorpion King. Those are not yeah. horror movies at all. Not even a little bit. The Scorpion King spinoffs, those do not count. I've never seen the Scorpion King movies. Uh, Those are not horror movies in any way, shape, or form. They are action fantasy movies. So we're not doing those. But uh, So Derek has reserved The Mummy, which includes the Universal ones, the Brendan Fraser ones, and the Tom Cruise one. Let's go. Let's go. So The Mummy goes into the waiting room. I just reserved like 11 movies. Yeah, you did. Can't wait to rank all those movies. You know what, though? I did it with... If I made it through The Children of the Corn... At least I've got Brendan Fraser at the end of the rainbow here. Yes. Middle of the rainbow. Mi- middle of the rainbow. Uh, middle to the end of the rainbow. End of the rainbow is not great. <laughs> no, I, I've seen that movie too. I, uh, it's not good. Not good. All right. So we got the mummy on here now. So here is what's on the wheel today. We have Carrie, It Chapter 2, A Quiet Place 2, Tremors, Shrieker Island, Child's Play 2019, Psycho 2, Scream Season 2, Episode 4, Happy Birthday to Me, and Chef's Choice. Derek, go ahead and spin the wheel. All right, we got everyone's favorite. It's the Screen TV series. Season 2, episode 4, titled Happy Birthday to Me. So we'll get Jacob Coleness back on the show. It will cover another episode of the Scream TV show. They're oh. super excited. They're my favorite to listen to, Ryan. Yep. You know that. Yeah, they are. They're everyone's favorites. You know, I I, I admire your commitment. <laughs> I, I truly do. That is a compliment. Commitment has never been my issue. <laughs> I, I can commit to things. No problem. All right, Derek, you want to you wanna plug anything? Well, uh, two small things. One is the one I always do. You can follow me on Letterboxd at E-R-E-K-K. You'll see my Ghostbusters official rank down list on Letterboxd. You'll see how I feel about this movie and other movies if you care to look at that. And also, there's an update in the Children of the Corn universe. I believe Children of the Corn 11 is doing a limited run in theaters in March of 2023, set to be released to the world some undisclosed time after that. But the point is, guys, the needle has moved. It's not just this, like, fairy tale myth that happened for one day in some lone theater in the middle of uh, Somerville, Oklahoma, for just a day. 
It's real. It's happening. So, like, we have to revisit. And thank you to the listener on Twitter who tagged the How to Horror on yep, this yep. And, and brought this to our attention. I saw it on Discussing Film, like, two days later. I, I couldn't believe it. So, we, we, we motion, people. Motion has happened. Let me see if I can find the listener who tagged us. I never thought that I would get so excited to watch Children of the Corn 11. Uh, it's hap- I like your It's Happening tweet and response. <laughs> uh, so, this would be, oh, God, Wolf. P00I91, parentheses T-Pone. So thank you for bringing this to our attention. I always check on it whenever something new is going on the wheel. Uh, I always check ahead of time just to see if there's been any movement on that and nothing had gone off the wheel in a little bit. But uh, so yeah, that's at the top of the waiting list. Again, spot six, spot eight is Chef's Choice. That's a little different. But the next time something goes off the wheel, if Children of the Corn 11 is available, it'll go on. Otherwise, we'll just keep waiting until we can actually get a hands on it because I doubt it's going to come to Fargo, the in theater. I doubt it. Big doubt. But once it's on streaming, absolutely, we'll cover it. Yep. And that's all I got. All right. You can follow us on Twitter at HowToHorror and check us out on Letterboxd where we'll be adding Ghostbusters Afterlife to all our various lists on there. Derek, thanks again for doing this. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it was very fun. Uh, anything else? Nope. All right. This has been the How to Survive a Horror Movie Podcast. Stay safe out there. Uh, uh.